Hello, and welcome to the Fad and Dad podcast. I'm Father Andrew Dickinson. His friends call him Fad. I'm Joshua Burks. His kids call him Dad. And we're the Fad and Dad podcast, where faith is meaningful and wit is an occasional guest. All right. To our faithful dozens, I was recently at a wedding. Who, who are you, I? Uh, Josh. Hi, I'm Josh, and I'm the dad of Fat and Dad. And I'm Father Andrew Dickinson. I'm the fad of Fat and Dad. And let's talk about our dozens of fans who are coming out of the woodworks. They are crawling out of the woodworks. Uh, so uh, please forgive me because I remember your face and I remember the encounter and I'm 87% sure your name is Charles. But it is my my total failure if I've gotten that wrong. But I, the dad of Fat and Dad, I was at a, at a wedding of a, of a good friend uh, oh, a few weekends ago now. And uh, before I even get to the heart of this story, I need to briefly share uh, another uh, another moment that peaked, or, or where I experienced, you know, peak uh, humanity for, for my arc. Uh, we're sitting down, reception's about to get started, and uh, my friend, the groom, comes over to me and says, Hey, Josh, uh, the priest is actually delayed in getting here. Can you say the prayer? At, for the for the meal before our reception and i look at him dead in the eye and i say i was born for this <laughs> this, is, <laughs> this is it was a, like my michael scott moment to just to have a mic in front of hundreds of people uh successfully prayed without heresy i think so that was already like i was already on top of the world that night i'm walking out of this wedding and uh, holding my youngest Anthony, like kids are about to either puke or pass out because they ate so much cookies and danced so hard. And this young gentleman stops me and he goes, dad from fat and dad. (laughs) (laughs) And I go, yeah, yeah, that's me. Oh, we, we listen to your podcast. We love it. Uh, it's like so good to meet you, and man, it was wonderful to meet you too. And and this is just I I it was it came out of left field. I I just it wasn't on my mind at all, and I was I was just tickled pink uh, that we had someone one of our dozens just came out of this wedding reception uh, and recognized uh, recognized Fat and Dad. So that was uh, two moments in one night to where I just I feel like yeah. that's what it feels like to peak. It's all downhill from here. So he said, so you felt like you were a real dad in that moment? I, yeah, it, you know, it was it was <laughs> something to be holding your child and not for your child to say dad, but for another grown man to, to call you dad from across <laughs> the room. I, please do not take that as I was offended. I, <laughs> I'll take it any time. <laughs> dad? Uh, yeah, it, it, that was fantastic. Awesome. Awesome. That's great. Well, and you know, I, as a priest, you know, I more often get caught. I'm a little more public. And then, of course, with the clerical mm-hmm. attire, mm-hmm. you know, like you're uh, um, a little more obvious to be found or cited mm-hmm. as a priest. Uh, but for you, you know, you as a as a layman, you don't get that same notoriety. Right. And so I think I, I think you I don't think I have, but I think you have ascended to the list of a E or D uh, list celebrity, Catholic celebrity. <laughs> I'll go with maybe F. <laughs> F. 
F-list. F-list Catholic <laughs> celebrity. Let's go. Oh, man. Well, welcome to episode 15 of Fat oh, and Dad. 15. I know. We've really covered a Let's lot go. of ground. We have. And we are... It's been a couple months. Yeah. Yeah. I even live in a different city. Right? Moves. Yeah. Um, we are in St. Justin Martyr. Uh, and we're reading his first apology. This is part three uh, of of digging into his first apology. We're taking our sweet jolly time. Uh, we're reading the section on uh, how he addresses Old Testament prophecy is going to be the section we, we talk about today. Can I give an apologia about us taking our sweet time with his apologia? Do it. Okay. So, uh, yes, we're taking our sweet time with his apology, apology, if you want to be a nerd like josh and i most clearly are uh but again we made a deliberate decision that we felt like when we went through uh saint melito of sardis and his hymn on pasca and some of the other ones that we were like kind of rushing to get it through Mm -hmm. in an episode and that's just not the spirit of the early church fathers Mm -hmm. who uh didn't uh, uh didn't look at things the way we do and that's what we're wanting to do is to immerse ourselves in the early church fathers through this fad and dad project to read them more, to get in touch with their thinking. And so, yeah, uh, we're just going to take a little more time with St. Justin Martyr. Amen. And if you don't like that, find another podcast. Yeah. No, don't. don't. <laughs> Please don't leave us. <laughs> Our eagles are too fragile. Um. Yeah, well said. I mean, we, we are trying to model the church fathers because we are a new era of church fathers? Question mark? See our tagline. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Do we do we actually have that as a tagline on the show notes or the That's a, things like I that? I think it's just only in that one picture <laughs> I made. <laughs> but, <laughs> but it in counts. In our heads. In our heads. But it counts. In our heads. Well, yeah. um, well, before we before we dive into Justin and his section on prophecy, we're gonna just take a just take a moment uh, for to have a word from our sponsors. All right, and we're back because we don't have any, and that's the nature <laughs> of our show. And we don't want any <laughs> we sponsors. Don't want any. You know, we, we don't we, want We any get sponsors. offers left and right, and we just tell them no. I know. Yeah. Granted, yeah, I think sorry, it's junk mail. Uh, but. Form.org. <laughs> uh, Matthew Kelly, I think, tried to jump on our bandwagon. <laughs> Um, who else recently? EWTN. Oh my goodness! You know, I I will say this. This um, is a this is totally unrelated, and I promise we will talk oh, this about is not Justin. A joke. We um okay, we've now had. <clears throat> so I I teach. I don't know if I've even ever clarified this on the podcast. I I'm a teacher at the Emmaus Institute in Lincoln, Nebraska. Uh, we're in our fifth year, and we're experiencing great blessing and reception here in the diocese and beyond. Uh, we predate the launch of St. Paul Center and so Scott Hahn's Emmaus Academy. <laughs> and uh, the Emmaus Academy has been launched over the past year and, of course, advertised very well. And, and we're big supporters and, and, and uh, collaborators and friends with, with Hahn and his ministry. But we do share similar content and similar names. We have had a few people register for our courses online that says, like, I heard of this on Matt Frad's podcast or saw this on EWTN. And it's like, ah, do we tell them? (laughs) (laughs) You know, they they start watching their class and it's like, he doesn't look like Scott Hahn. Nope. (laughs) Tricked ya. (laughs) You're better than Scott Hahn. Is he on the F list? 
No, he's like he's, he's B list Catholic he's celebrity. I was say if B-list. he's not A list, he could, he could be A list Catholic celebrity. Yeah, he could be. Uh, I haven't checked the uh, the Catholic Q standings lately mm-hmm. uh, to see where they rate, but uh, I just look at myself typically yeah. and find I'm still down in like the L's or something <laughs> like that. Um, L for love, uh, but uh, how to see? And I. I did not even know uh, that uh, Scott Hahn had launched an Emmaus Academy. Yes, yes. And so, not to be confused with the Emmaus Institute. Institute. Yes. Go Emmaus. But the Emmaus Academy. Shoot. So, oh. sure. oh, I guess I got someone else. <laughs> I don't use my continuing education money there for you go. then. There you go. <laughs> Oh, man. Should we talk about Justin? Uh, let's talk about St. Justin Martyr. It's already been like eight minutes into this podcast, and we haven't really even talked about his apology. Yeah. Ever. We apologize. So we were... <laughs> Go ahead. Uh, I make no apology to let remind our listeners that an apologia, an apology, is a word in response. Yes. And so Justin Martyr is writing a word, or many words, in response to the critics of... Of the early Christians. Mm-hmm. His critics in his day were the uh, Romans, mm-hmm. which were really Greek in culture. <clears throat> and uh, they would make accusations against Christians of being uh, atheists because they reject uh, the large body of the gods, only believing in the one God. They would accuse Christians of being cannibals for their Eucharistic teachings. Um, would be some other things that we've talked about that uh, Saint Justin Martyr is responding to. Oh, those those are the two main ones. Yeah, those are the dominant ones. I I can't say anything else comes to mind. <clears throat> sure. Yeah. So um, and so he's making these responses now. Uh, where we're at in it is he's making some responses about uh, the prophecies of the Christ in uh, scriptures. Mm-hmm. Uh, specifically Jewish scriptures, right? Because the New Testament's written after the Christ right. uh, by, uh, by the followers of Jesus. Uh, but, of course, there are prophecies. And so St. Just Martyr wants to spend a lot of time on this. Mm-hmm. Now, I know that's a hardship for you, Josh. You don't like the scriptures very much. <laughs> I should take an Emmaus Academy course. <laughs> you should. Maybe, maybe you'd learn to love the scriptures as much as Scott Hahn does. <laughs> Oh, and he does. That was sarcasm. He, he, he very much about does. him, though. Sarcasm about you. <laughs> Thank you. So. Thank you. Yeah. So he does. He spends ample amount of time in this section called the argument from prophecy, and obviously we're going to have to paint broad strokes. We can't get into how Justin is using each you know line from Moses or the Psalms to uh, to predict or to reveal Jesus. Uh, I think there are a few, and don't have to read them all right now, but I'll, I'll start with one. There are a few really good summary lines that he has sprinkled throughout here on really what the main objective, uh, or what his main objective is now, uh, making his argument from the angle of Scripture and the Old Testament. Uh, in the first, uh, second paragraph of this section, paragraph 31 in mine, <coughs> he says, We find it predicted in the books of the prophets that Jesus, our Christ, would come, born of a virgin, grown to manhood, healing every sickness and every disease and raising the dead, hated and unacknowledged and crucified, dying and rising again and ascending into heaven, both really being and being called Son of God. We find also that men sent by him would proclaim these things to every race of mankind 
and that men of the Gentiles especially would believe in him. That, to me, was a fascinating opener because that's really an, an exposition of, of the gospel and the New Testament, the things that we find there. But he's saying in that opening line, we find it predicted in the books of the prophets that all of these things would come to fruition. Born of a virgin, uh, his healing ministry, his crucifixion, death, resurrection, and, and the evangelization uh, of the world by way of the church. And this is really, to me, Justin is um, taking the fancy word alert soundboard. Fancy word alert. Taking. I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't agree on that being on the soundboard. Oh, sorry. We didn't talk about that yeah. beforehand. We'll, we'll, we, we did not. We'll we shape up not. by next week. <laughs> <laughs> uh, next episode. Uh, but he's taking a, a hermeneutic, which is a, a way of looking Ooh. at things that we find on the Emmaus Road in Luke 24, where after the resurrection, Jesus is, is uh, gently rebuking the disciples for not having read upon him, for not having understood and, and encountered these things that just happened through the lens of the Old Testament. And then he walks through all of the books of the Old Testament to reveal these things, these very things that Justin yeah. is talking about. I believe he says, how slow you are to believe. Yeah. 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 Uh, so that's kind of the task then that, that Justin undertakes is to reveal how all of these things have been. Uh, there's many words we can insert here. Predicted, foreshadowed, revealed, figured, prefigured uh, through the revelation of the Old Testament. Yeah, and can, can I backtrack even though a moment before this is that before Justin Martyr even goes into this to kind of protect his argument against just being some um, local or parochial thing of the followers of the Jews, he points out that uh, the Pharaoh Ptolemy uh, has these prophecies collected in his library in Alexandria. Uh, oh, yeah, that was fun. It, yeah, Alexandria, yeah. Egypt. He talks about the right. Septuagint being being formed. Right. And so, which ties into the idea of the Septuagint. So, that's, if anything deserves a fancy word alert, it's Septuagint. Fancy right? word alert. Uh, Can't take it off the soundboard so, now that it's on there. Yeah. Man, it's uneditable. <laughs> um, so, the Septuagint uh, just basically means 70 yeah. in Greek. And it's uh, this rabbinical tradition that uh, the scriptures, the uh, the what's called the Pentateuch, so the five books of Moses, the uh, um, historical books, the prophets, uh, these were collected, and the wisdom books uh, in uh, the library in Egypt, and that a in uh, Hebrew. translation was sought in Hebrew, and uh, translation was sought to be made of them into Greek. And that 70 rabbis worked to translate them, and uh, purportedly all, th all of them came up with the same translation, mm -hmm. which is pretty much a miracle right. if you've ever done any translations or taken a Spanish class in high school or something like that. You know like how a yeah. you know, simple sentence could be translated with some breadth yeah. already, let alone the whole of the scriptures. Have you ever heard? Um, But just neat. Oh, go ahead. Fin mm -hmm. Finish that. You have a neat thought. 
Well, I was just saying it's neat that St. Justin Martyr, I just think it's interesting that St. Justin Martyr wants to contextualize uh, the um, his his presentation of the Jewish prophecies with that history of Ptolemy and his mm-hmm. great library in Alexandria, one of these seven wonders mm-hmm. of the ancient world. Yeah. Uh, total side point in just the traditions that surround the the translation of the Septuagint. So this would have been about a, a century or two before Jesus, <clears throat> and there I've heard one tradition, very small t tradition, that. Uh, Simeon was one of the translators, which answers the question mm. that he poses that uh, he, it was promised to him that he would not die before seeing the Lord's Christ and and that that was somehow related to uh, his work in translating. Huh? Mm. Fun little nugget. Mm. Put that on your back burner. Fun Take it nugget. or leave it. Because um, it's a small T tradition. You're free to believe or not to believe. Amen to that. Uh, I think another important context here for what Justin is doing, uh, so he walks through many different, very specific verses that correspond Mm. to the revelation of Jesus. He talks about Isaiah and the virgin birth. Uh, He talks about um, that the the prophecy that the Savior would be born in Bethlehem. Uh, He's approaching all this now from the reasonableness of divine revelation. Uh, Because he's already spent a section here remembering that the overall context of what Justin is writing is a defense, an apology. And right from the get-go, we established that he wants to to certify the reasonableness of, of their faith, of Christianity. And so from one angle, he's now, he's now tackled the reasonableness of Christianity kind of from a secular angle. Now he's talking about the reasonableness mm. of Christianity from, from the vantage point of Christian and, and Jewish revelation. That even religious sure. revelation is not contradictory to reasonableness or reason, which is that word logos, uh, which St. John calls Jesus. In the beginning was the word logos or reason. So uh, I think th- there's a time if, if you're kind of done with that mm, setup yeah, or yeah. okay. Um, Bishop Barron in some of his videos in the past, especially when he's trying to engage with uh, like the atheist movement of the mm-hmm. internet, which is some of the kind of the origins of Bishop Barron's work for those of you uh, familiar or not familiar with Bishop Barron. But um, one thing is that he'd always talk about, you know, that, it's not that faith isn't irrational as much as it's super rational. Yeah. That it's uh, there's reason and then there's faith, which is um, not necessarily built on reason, mm-hmm. right? Because faith has a, a different input, if you will, than reason alone does. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that it's uh, it's still connected or in a core or at least uh, uh, conducive to reason. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> moving on, I think that. Uh, sorry, I'm trying to find my place here. Paragraph 36, um, continuing on this. That's a scorcher. Trajectory of, of reason. You didn't respond to my. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry. Uh, in, in paragraph 36, he he's talking about the character of the Old Testament, and I think this is also important. Fad, you mentioned a line. Uh, right before we went into recording about uh, just Justin's love for the Old Testament uh, Mm. and perhaps the deficit that we have today. 
he he opens up with this line in paragraph 36 <clears throat> where he says when you hear the words of the prophets uh backtracking now this is me speaking he means more than what we would just narrowly define as prophets right isaiah through malachi to Jeremiah, us are the, are the yeah. prophets uh, he's really talking about the whole Old Testament. He calls Moses a prophet. So Moses writes the first David. five books. David, thus the Psalms. And then, of course, the actual prophets themselves. So when he says prophets, think of the think of just the entirety of, of the Old Testament. So Justin says, When you hear the words of the prophets spoken as in a particular character, do not think of them as spoken by the inspired men themselves, but by the divine word, capital W, that moved them. And so here's a, a, a really important <clears throat> you know, nugget that, that Justin gives us that these aren't just um, ironies that, you know, men of old wrote these things from, you know, they were just trying to be as creative or predictive as possible and, and they just happened to come true, but that God has been orchestrating this from the beginning as and is inspiring uh, these written accounts uh, in order to reveal ultimately uh, his saving plan in Jesus Christ. And so what Justin does, I've written a big article on this on the Emmaus Institute site. Um, the title something about how Justin Martyr rescues the Old Testament for Christians uh, because he, he really keeps that... Christians, we, we of course have the Gospels and the New Testament, but Justin is, is really a, a significant player in the early church of recognizing the inspiration of the Old Testament just as well. That this is where yeah. God speaks and this is where Jesus is revealed. It's not just kind of nice history before Jesus. Well, now, I, and, and, which is very grateful for St. Justin and that Melito as well mm -hmm. when we talk about his typology. But of course, you know, we have to remember that, you know, Paul himself yeah. in the New Testament, you know, and uh, our Lord himself, I came not to abolish the yeah. law, but to fulfill the law. And not one letter, jot, tittle were, uh, will go away yeah. until the law is fulfilled. Um, but right. You know, in St. Paul and First Timothy talk about all scripture being profitable mm -hmm. uh, in that way. But that is, uh, but not just for, uh, I think what, one of the great ways Justin does that too is it's not just for internal, but even for an external uh, discussion, mm. right? That actually it's good to bring the idea of prophecy into that dialogue with someone outside of the faith, mm. right? Because it's interesting here, you, know, you usually think about like, you know, prophecies as proof, uh, confirmation for someone interior to the faith. <clears throat> Whereas he, here he's using it for people outside the right. faith. Right, you know, right. You know, I don't think, like if I was to talk with uh, someone who didn't believe in God, period. I think I don't think it'd be. Oh, hey, let's go, let's dive into the Psalms, yeah. right? Uh, I'm going to dive into you know natural theology, probably the unmoved mover, maybe mm -hmm. uh, Aquinas's five proofs for the existence of God. But you know, Justin wants to go to uh, these these conversations. Mm -hmm. I I think this is also where you're going, and maybe it's a little branch off of it. But um, Justin is really picking up on what the apostles themselves did. Granted, the apostles didn't have a stabilized sure. New Testament to even preach from. It was their witness that they that they preached themselves. But yep. the the nascent church, 
to just did such a beautiful job of preserving how Christ is revealed from the Old Testament. Uh, so, for instance, Acts of the Apostles and the first Pentecost is one of the, the best mm. examples of this. Peter's greatest sermon, which, you know, after being filled with the Holy Spirit, and he goes out before thousands of, of pilgrims and travelers in Jerusalem, and he, what, you know, what we would say today, he preaches the gospel, but how does he do it? He preaches the Old Testament. Uh, he uses the prophets and the Psalms in order to reveal Christ, which, which can seemingly be, I'm not going to say it is foreign. Uh, there's, um, there are many who can do this beautifully, but that's something we don't just don't do as frequently or as well, or at least as confidently today, that we're not engaging in the evangelization by way of the Old Testament, as much as we are just, you know, confining ourselves to the New Testament or certain theological corners. Yeah, and I think, I know for me, that was something I really loved in my theology classes in seminary, and something I try to keep is how can we, you know, build that interplay between old and new, mm-hmm. like, in, and in my preaching, um, trying to make my preaching more of the, of the Father, yeah. more patristic in that sense, of okay, like, do we see a connection of why this passage and the story of the Exodus is being paired with this gospel passage yeah. in uh, in the readings of the day uh, or on the Sunday in that Mass? And um, and I loved, and I, I talked about my seminary, uh, we had uh, Dr. Tim Gray mm. as one of our seminary uh, synoptic gospel professors, and he was marvelous at this, mm-hmm. of like, uh, what, what they would call intertextuality. That'd be Big word alert. Big word alert. Uh, I think we need to do a sillier voice, though, because it sounds too much like you. You're not being silly. sounds really different in my head. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But uh, so intertextuality, like those references within the scriptures, like one of my favorite ones, like in my mind, to to illustrate this is uh, the gospel passage about Jesus saying, my yoke is easy, my burden light, Mm -hmm. my burden is light. You know, that's a direct response to something that happened back in the book of Kings after the death of Solomon. Mm-hmm. And uh, mm-hmm. Solomon's successor says, "My, bur- you thought my father's yoke was heavy? Uh, you ain't seen wait. nothing yet, right? Um, my little finger is heavier than my father's thigh. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yes, yeah, that idea of, you know, to have more scripture in our life mm-hmm. as Christians now so that we can have some of that confidence to be able to speak in between the te- uh, testaments or when we're sharing the gospel with someone. Yeah. You know, as you're saying, you know, to be like Peter did and to actually like, make reference to things in the Old Testament and their fulfillment mm-hmm. uh, in Christ and the New and how we still live in that fulfillment today. I think that this very activity that Justin allows for and encourages... Um, see, Justin didn't really have to deal with... Um, interdivisions of Christianity per se, but I think this is something sure. that is excellent for ecumenical dialogue, is an increased awareness and, and entry into discussion of how our faith is developed from the Old Testament. Uh, especially sure. our Catholic particularities. Like you were saying with um, with my yoke and my burden and, and the connection to First Kings, my favorite place to talk about Mary's queenship is First and Second Kings. 
Sure. And and how beautiful would that be in ecumenical dialogue, Catholics talking with non-Catholic Christians about, do we both, you know, okay, we might not start with Mary as queen, but let's start with what did David's kingdom look like in, in First and Second Kings, and so on and so forth. I don't want to get too down the rabbit hole. Yeah. Uh, but if we can engage in these Justin Martyr-like conversations with our Christian non-Catholic brothers and sisters, uh, I think that would open up many bridges for, for dialogue. Yeah, like a, gr- a great resource. Listener, if this is like uh, something that's like, oh, yeah, that'd be really cool. Or I know some people would be great to do that with. Uh, Brant Petrie. Hmm. Uh, Brant, like Brent, but with an yeah. A. Petrie, uh, spelled nothing like it sounds. P-I-T-R-E. Yeah. Uh, Brant Petrie. And he has some books, uh, Jesus and the Jewish Roots of the Eucharist, uh, Jesus and the Jewish Roots of Mary. Um, he even has a book, uh, if you had to go through a secular, even a Catholic New Testament course and you read, um, what's the guy's name that used Marty to be Bart, Bart? Christian? Bart what? Ehrman. Bart Ehrman. Yeah. There you go. He has some great rebuttals to he Bart does. Ehrman's. Uh, specifically, uh, The Case for Jesus by Brant Petrie is a great response yeah. to Bart Ehrman. Yep. Yeah. But uh, but even just if you want to have like like uh, the the other books I mentioned like the Jesus and the Jewish roots of Mary Jesus and the Jewish roots of the Eucharist it's not so polemical maybe mm-hmm. as the case for Jesus is mm-hmm. but just does a great job of saying like hey here's this like deep richness that you probably don't even know about when it comes to the Eucharist or the Blessed Virgin Mary yeah amen to that so I think that kind of wraps up our time for this episode on Saint Justin Martyr yeah. I think it does. Yeah. Okay. So we'll keep going through his uh, wonderful uh, word uh, about the word. Uh, even talking next time, mm-hmm. we'll teaser about what uh, becomes called seeds of the word mm-hmm. or semina verbi. And another big word alert. <laughs> big word alert. <laughs> that was a- that, uh, there we go. That was good. That was good. Okay. Felt crazy. Yeah, I, I reckon that, um, you know, because we haven't planned it yet, but I reckon that we will probably finish off the first apology next week. There's only a, a handful of pages left. And there are some real real winners here at the end of the first apology. Uh, so I, I look forward to, to next next episode. Episode? Next episode. Next episode. Yep. Next episode. Yep. Yes, <laughs> yes. All right. Well, uh, if you continue to, to find and discover us in public, you dozens, uh, we love we love meeting you. Uh, so I'm, I'll be chasing that high for the rest of my life. Please, <laughs> please come introduce yourself. And, and we would love to talk all things fat and dad. And God bless you. And, uh, we'll, uh, talk to you Peace. again.